drinking that liquid death. If so we good. say it enough, we'll get sponsored. This is the only sponsor that we really need. I mean, this, I think this, it's like particularly for something like for the brand that this is yeah. the podcast. I mean, itself, I know the guy who's you know? like the head of their marketing. We went to, he went to creative circus. I have his email. I could email him. <laughs> be like, Hey, I, I mean, that seems a little <laughs> forward, but I guess that's how you do Can business. Can you give me a job and, or will you sponsor my podcast? Also, what's up? How are right, you doing? Right, yeah. <laughs> been a while we haven't spoken in like six to seven years (laughs) just you should open with like hey buddy notice you're doing pretty well saw you you on all of the awards (laughs) (laughs) um they sponsored the moped rally what yeah them and i know an urban mata tea which was yeah it was like it was like pbr liquid death an Yerba Mata tea, or Yerba, Yerba Mata with a Y. Those are, that's a lot of intersection going on <laughs> yeah. at this. Um, yeah, that's a lot of different I groups think it's just the together. sign that like the counterculture is healing itself, right? Like we're- I get it, it, that all three of those brands together is like a coexist bumpy sticker. <laughs> it really is. I think all three of those brands is like the, the life, it's like the timeline of an alcoholic. <laughs> yes yeah it's like you start with the pbr and then you do the liquid death and then eventually you're namasteing your way to enlightenment with your yerba mate tea and that's exactly what i did i grabbed one of those things i popped it in the back of my moped and i was just like slamming it like it was a beer you're, oh my gosh yeah yerba mate is like like spiritual bypassing the drink yeah um it it i think that we should just stick with liquid death um thank you steve for spot for being sponsored by liquid death otherwise i wouldn't be uh a huge fan as i am because of steve-o steve-o's steve-o's podcast i i, I don't know I, I don't know if he's sponsored by it but he he like is he sober is he sober now because i know that he had some issues and then some, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's not my story to tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how long he's been sober, but he's been sober. For oh, a while. we should get him on the podcast. Yeah, let's just. Do you have? His I think email if we just too? keep saying thank you, Stevo, thank you, Liquid Death. Eventually, someone will come. If we, that's how SEO he works. Has, I think he has like. I think he has butt wipes. I don't know what they're called. Stevo's butt wipes, dude, or like the dude wipes. If we say that enough, I'm sure he'll show up. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how it works. I'm drinking regular mm. old iced coffee that I made myself. No thanks to Steve. I'm drinking mushroom coffee that I, you know, got out of a bag. You know what's weird about that mushroom uh, stuff is that people keep calling it um, micro or myco dose, like they're myco dosing. I don't know what, what does that well, mean. Like myco is in like mycelium, and then they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm dosing up on mycelium," but they're saying myco dose instead of micro dose, for, which is when you take a little right, bit of for, mushrooms. For their coffee. Yeah. So I, there's like a couple of drinks I had. I had two over the weekend that was like a turkey in the woods. What is it? Turkey hen, lion's mane. Um, like is the stuff like there's chicken hint of the woods i think is another one 
There's turkey tail. Yeah, turkey tail. There's the chicken the of the one. woods, and there's lion's mane, and uh, they they put it in like a soda, and it was like in a can, and it was supposed to like get me. What do they call them? Adapt at ad, 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 Adapt yeah. and they yeah. called it mycodose, and that. Well, I don't I know. Like that. It feels like I'm about to get high, and then I get really upset <laughs> when I don't yeah. get high. <laughs> yeah, that's like me at the table with a bunch of people that I kind of know, where I have to like somehow ask the server quietly, "Hey, there's no, is there any like drugs in yeah. this? Are there out? Is there alcohol in this?" Yeah. yeah, it's like when I was a server at Manuel's Tavern and that girl asked if the steak fries were vegetarian. And it was like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be that dumb. But I am being set up to be that person. I have to like look it up. I have to go to the bathroom and look it up real quick before I even order it. <laughs> so that I like at least sound smart. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like... I don't, I, is this one of those like hard kombuchas? Cause I can't have a hard kombucha. Can I just have a, do you have regular kombucha? Yeah. I'll just get, can I, I just I have I hate water? the whole concept of hard kombucha. How hard can kombucha yeah. get? <laughs> There's already alcohol yeah. in it. Why are we making more? It doesn't have to get, is it just rotten kombucha just or be? do you put vodka in already good kombucha? What? It just doesn't, kombucha is already hard enough. <laughs> It's spicy. It is spicy. It can be, it's especially spicy. when you put like too much ginger in there, like I do. Yeah. I made Subaloo yesterday, which is like a, um, it's like a Ghanaian um, drink that you make with hibiscus flour. Uh, you put a little bit of like black pepper in there, um, some cloves, mm. and like um, some ginger, and like a shit ton of sugar. It's pretty good. Really refreshing. Yeah. It's that like sweet good. and spicy. There's a Mexican version of it that I never know how to say, but it looks like Jamaica, but in Spanish. Not Jamaica. I don't know. I don't remember. Jamaica? I don't remember how to say it. And now, whoever's listening to this is probably the the three people that are listening to this are like screaming <laughs> it into their into. <laughs> into their speaker right now and they're like this guy's a fucking idiot so we just lost you know 33 percent yeah we lost 100 percent of viewership just now um let's talk let's talk about um time it's time to talk okay. about the time that we lost now, when we were drunk i've been thinking about this a lot I, lately you said when you texted me, I don't know, like a couple of weeks ago, and you brought this up. You said that it's like constantly on. Oh mind. yeah, it's like the number one theme of all of my therapy sessions is how do I make up for all of this stupid time that I lost while I was drunk and the time that I lost while recovering from being drunk. Well, let me ask: Do you find? Do you feel like? you lost time in recovery because you're still in recovery yeah oh yeah totally okay you don't if i wasn't an alcoholic i wouldn't be in recovery well, wait what do you mean <laughs> that kind of blew your mind i saw that in your face <laughs> yes it did I, I just like went somewhere else for a second <laughs> I, um, I would like you to unpack that, please. Well, you know, like if I didn't waste all of those years 
um, drinking and, you know, smoking and just being an all around asshole and not developing the way that I had wanted to develop, then I wouldn't have to spend even more years not drinking, learning how to not be an asshole and like doing that in this, uh, you know, trial and error kind of situation where I'm like, oh, was that me being an asshole? And then I'd have to like consult mm. with other people. And then they were like, oh, no, actually, we're assholes, too, because you were an asshole and now you're not. And then I had to learn how to not be. And so now I'm in this situation where I've spent way too much time trying to not surround myself with assholes so that I can figure out if I'm the asshole. And that's taken most of my recovery. When if I was never an asshole in the first place, I wouldn't have had to have done that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, okay. I, I can relate to this because um, that's been on my mind recently where I am like finally, maybe not finally, but like seeing the kind of people that you surrounded yourself with while drunk or while you were drinking and then having those people still kind of be in your life in your recovery phase and eventually it gets to the point where um i can't it's i mean it it, it sounds harsh to say but like i can't waste any more time here. yeah like these people were and are important to me but the only way for me to grow is for me to walk away from this and even in recovery that's like really hard to do and looking back you go oh my gosh i wasted so much time even while sober still maintaining these kind of drunk relationships but it's it's really hard to let go of that um i mean it's hard to let go of all of it right like it's hard to let go because that that's something that over the weekend um, I kind of had to, I thought about, which I think about constantly, which is I was so afraid of what sobriety would do because I thought I was afraid that it would change me. And so I put it off for some Yeah, while. dude. Yeah. Um, and... And the, I mean, the fact of the matter is that it does change you, but it's, it's, it's only, it's only for the better. But even that, it's like, especially when you're drinking, like, I don't want to be better. Um, you know, I want to, I want to maintain whatever I'm maintaining right now. Or you get diluted and you think, well, I can, I can get better despite the drinking. I can just make better choices while still drinking. And you just mess everything up anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, like, I, I think I told you last time that when I got sober, it was like, <laughs> it was like, this is what the prophecy has foretold. Like, it was, you know, I knew that it was time. And mm -hmm. I had been pushing it back because I didn't want to do it because I was like, I knew it was going to take years out of my life. And I was like, I'm already on a roll. Like, I'm just, I just made friends with this guy at the bar and we're going to start a band, you know? <laughs> and it's like, we're going to yeah. hang out all the time. We just planned that. Um, 
and it's like it, it definitely is like a huge commitment honestly it's like it's kind of like going to an allergist and getting your allergy shots and you have to go in once a week sometimes twice a week for two years and then it's once a month for how for however long it takes and that's you know and it just like it's kind of like a huge kind of thing that's where i just i was pushing it back i didn't want to do it i was scared that it would change me but i knew that it was going to happen eventually um but i also wanted it to change me but what happened instead was that i got older and so I didn't change into the thing that I wanted to change into. Instead, I changed into an old guy in recovery, <laughs> which is the exact opposite. That's not what I wanted to change into because when I first got sober, I like, like back when I was 26, I was like, like, like um, working for this guy who was in his 40s, who had been sober for 10 years. And was like this this fucking weightlifting, like angry ex coke addict who used to come and like pick me up and drag me to AA meetings, even though I didn't want to go. And I would have to hang out with all these old drunks, who like just were completely just out of their mind all the time, filled with all of this like unadulterated rage that I had to like dance around just to talk to them they were like either smoking cigarettes constantly or they were like lifting weights constantly or both and i was like man i don't want to be like some old guy who's obsessed with his recovery i'm gonna go back to drinking and then you meet like the Mm. old guy who's drinking and you're like well there's not much of a difference here except (laughs) like literally I, i would say like one is healthier than the other but honestly, no, there's really no difference here. Um, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really have any sort of like what I never saw like a successful person in my lifestyle that was like sober, um, who wasn't like always sober or something like that. So it was just like, I don't know. I just didn't want to do it, but I also wanted to do it. And now that I've done it, I. I'm like looking back and I'm like, ah, fuck. It's, you know, it's like, you you just kind of look at the timeline and you're just like, well, shit, I should have done that. I should have, I should have said hello to that person instead of like gotten too drunk or like, I should have been a little bit more chill at that party instead of like, you know, drinking, drinking before the party or like saying that asshole thing that I said while I was drunk or like whatever, like, it's just full of like shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Right. And in the, in the end, I'm just like an old, I'm, I just turned into the old drunk that I didn't want to be or the old rec- guy in recovery that I didn't want to be. I mean, I guess I'm still a drunk, right? Once a drunk, always a drunk. But it, it's at least I'm not an active drunk. Right. And, but it sounds like you were, I mean, in those AA meetings, it just sounds like dry drugs yeah like it doesn't sound like it, it just doesn't sound like people in recovery and so you you have that um even even being kind of like oh i'm curious about <laughs> fixing my life 
there's no role models in that. There's no there's no accessible figure in um, in scenarios like that where you can go, okay, so it's doable, and it's also doable in a healthy way. Um, instead, it just seems like well, I don't, I just don't want to be like these people, and it's and the common denominator between all of them is that they don't drink. Therefore, I'm going to keep drinking so that I. I can I, I I won't end up like them. Yeah. Well, um, we didn't have John Mulaney, who doesn't <laughs> drink, right? We didn't have that. We had Kyle Kinane, who's who's like first like album was called Whiskey Icarus, and we were like, I want to be that. And then we had Ron White yeah, rolling right. in all the time, smelling like scotch and whiskey and like you know cigars and shit, making everyone uncomfortable. And <laughs> and, and we didn't have like. We didn't have, you know, people being like, oh, you don't, you can, you can do this without drinking constantly. Right. There was, there were a lot of, and I think that this is just because we were in Atlanta, because in, in, in other cities you go to, there's comics that are really, really working and are sober. Um, but at the time that we were doing stand up in Atlanta, there just wasn't really those no. guys. A lot of the, it was, it was more so like. I'm, I'm a comedian and I'm going to get sober. And also now I'm guess I'm quitting. <laughs> and yeah. So you go, all right, well now I'm um, a yoga instructor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you're making completely different choices and, and you just go, all right, well then it almost, it, it gets in your mind where if I quit drinking, then I probably won't even know how to do stand up or I won't care about doing stand up. Um, which is what happened with me anyway. Um, where you just start making healthy choices and you go, I want to keep making healthy choices and doing and stand up is generally in environments that would lead to me making terrible choices, um, which is not stand up's fault, but it's just the people that I don't know that were around. Um, it's kind of stand up's fault. We can blame stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I would like to blame. I would like to blame all yeah. art, honestly. Um, all art is there's like a very small percentage of art that is worth it. Stand up does not make that. I criteria. would say that there's no percentage of art that's worth it, and that. Okay, I was trying to be a little <laughs> liberal, but you were. You were I you were think correct. that even this podcast as an art form is a, just a, an incredible waste of time, and whoever's listening to this I, needs to get to work. Need to turn it off and get back to work or at least listening to people working which is that's the second time that you've uh, you've lost 100 percent of our that's still my goal in this episode I, yeah. <laughs> is to disenfranchise all six of our listeners <laughs> uh, i would also suggest that it's a bad move to call what we're doing art <laughs> at all podcasting is not art um this is like um, this is just like listening to two people talk at a restaurant where you go, that's kind of interesting, but I can go in. I now. wonder how great my life would be if I had never discovered Norm MacDonald or like Jack Kerouac. Dude, if I never sat down in that Walden Books at the mall and sat right next to the K sections of fiction and pulled out Dharma bombs, yeah. I wouldn't be a writer. I'd probably be a history teacher. And I would be probably just as miserable as I am now, but still wouldn't be making art. 
Right. Yes. I, I think that this is a good this this makes a good case for there being only two genre of books to be available: the Bible, and <laughs> and um, the wow. classics. So you're you, I you know I'm saying no art, and then you went another step and just went Christian nationalist with this, <laughs> where you're like the only art not is written by God. Not Christian nationalist. <laughs> just you know this is like. Uh, you know, kingdom theology. It's it's very it's not nationalism. <laughs> if everybody's Christian, there's not it's not nationalism. <laughs> okay. Chill out, Mike Pence. All right. <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, there's only two genres of books, the Bible and the not Bible. And that's <laughs> <laughs> Well, if I'm gonna be honest, it's the Bible and the Unibomber oh, Manifesto. Yeah. That's all you need. Um I would like to give a shout out. I don't know if this is because of my own charm or if this like if it's just working out, but I was out with a lady this past uh, couple days, and I brought up how Ted Kaczynski is my hero, and it's still going all right. Oh, really? That wasn't yeah. the, the game change. That wasn't a. Did she know who Ted Kaczynski was? Because that could have been why she okay. did not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I left out some stuff. But I, I gave her the. I gave her. Like, yeah, important. he's a Harvard grad. He uh, changed the way that we. Didn't he like invent something like a satellite or some shit like that? Didn't he like actually invent like some telecommunications kind of shit? He, I, I don't know what the application of his work became, but he was like an incredible theoretical <laughs> Is that mathematician. All you told She's a Harvard grad theoretical mathematician. Is that all you told her? <laughs> I told her that stuff, and I told her about his. I called it like. And he had some. And he had some very radical ideas about government, and that was <laughs> that was all you told her, right? You're like CIA, MI6, or CIA. I can't think. MK Ultra survivor. Yeah. Yeah, he's a survivor of you know government experimentation, and he's he's still you know he's still kicking. He's doing great. He hated, he hated, he was like, I remember he was bunked in with somebody that he hated. Oh, he hated the, the guy who blew the Oklahoma city bomber guy. He hated that guy. Oh yeah. Well, his work was a little diluted okay. compared to, um, <laughs> so you just lost the rest Ted of our readers or our listeners. <laughs> no, I'm getting, I'm getting viewership right now, but you just, it's not people yeah, that you're you helping the algorithm though. Um, that's for sure. Yeah. I, Ted Kaczynski, I'll say this last thing. Ted Kaczynski is a Gemini, Gemini, and he's he's my hero. Anyway, he was a Gemini. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was a that Gemini. Figures. That yeah. Tracks typical Gemini. Typical the Gemini. Male. That's right. I think he was sober too. Let's just say that, just to make it on theme. <laughs> so, well, he's sober now. I mean, it's not like he can. Get all dead people are sober. Right? I mean, eventually, when you die. You, Oh, he did? <laughs> he's dead. Is he, is, did you, what, that must did you just either. find this out? I thought he was your hero. Is he? I celebrate his birthday, not his death. <laughs> well, that's because we're on two different sides of the spectrum here, I guess. I don't even know how to spell his Unabomber. Just look up Ted Kaczynski. Uh, yeah, he died this year, in, last in oh. June. Oh, that's right. He died with a pair of... Oh, I messaged you uh, about that because I remember telling you. Yeah, you messaged yeah. yeah, that was a sad day. That was a, that was a, that was a strange yeah. day. It was solemn. Was it? 
it was a weird day because you were the only person I could talk to about it. It's not like I could shout out like on a group text, hey guys, I'm not going to come to work today. Yeah. Ted Kaczynski died. Yeah, I don't know if that would count um, as like a reason to call out of work. And you can't really make like a big Facebook Yeah, it's kind of like calling out hungover. You and you like, can't like draw a photo of him like hanging out with Tupac and Biggie and like, you know, Kobe and all, you know, you can't do that. One of these days they're going to have a hologram of Ted Kaczynski. And he's, I don't know what he's going to be doing. But I'm sure his likeness, his likeness I, is out I there. I genuinely think you should just keep all your Ted Kaczynski thoughts to a different podcast that you only record in the desert. <laughs> it's like, you know, that, this, that's, a, that's for your desert friends. <laughs> yeah, okay, you're right, you're right. Yeah. This is for um, your Chicago friends I, who are right, right. <laughs> Well, okay, for my Chicago friends, uh, I smoked weed. A couple oh nights shit! Ago. You don't really smoke that much weed, uh, do you? Yeah, I was reminded immediately why I don't smoke weed because I had uh, the person who I was with is a somatic counselor, That's cool. and so she. Uh, it's, yeah, oh, I love cool. somatic stuff. Um, the whole like yeah. Oh man, involved. you should you should talk to them. They're um, they're really cool. Um, but anyway, I had. Uh, she called it something psychogenic or something. Um, it was some kind of seizure. And uh, I used to get them a lot when I smoked weed when I was younger. And I, so I just stopped because it's really hard to keep the party going when someone's like seizing up in the corner. Um, so I just stopped smoking weed. And then I smoked weed here on this camping trip. And I had this like incredible moment where she was like all right just like relax into it just let yourself do this um and i was just I reminded, audio I was, art form art this is art thank you <laughs> this is art this is art um but i had this incredible moment where i was thinking back to what literally what we're talking about about like why i've been so resistant to change my whole life and it's all because i never figured out how to grieve these like yourself leaving moments or leaving phases of your life where to be to really engage with your recovery there's a there's a need to grieve the loss of your like drinking self because that's that was an important part of your life no matter good or bad but being able to walk away from that in a healthy way so that you can move in a direction that's more positive or beneficial for you, there's a need to grieve over that lost time, over those drinks and that part of your life. And, and not knowing how to do that, because a lot of people like start drinking, like I started drinking when I was, 16 maybe Mm -hmm. and a lot of people just especially with living with addiction you never really figure out how to grieve other than just putting more stuff in you so that you can numb out but really processing emotion specifically grief is a is a like this is how you forgive one forgive yourself and then from both of those capacities moving into the next phase of your life. Cause if you, st- if you can't grieve, then you're still holding on to all this stuff that you're just not able to process. Um, 
And so just taking the time to do that is really, really beneficial. And it's just, you never think about it because you all, all you want to do is just like crush it away. Like all my years drinking, like that sucks. I'm a, I'm an asshole, terrible person. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done this, shooting myself in the leg, shooting myself in the head, all these things. Like I gotta just, just push them down and forget about it. I'm going to move on. I'm sober now. I'm new me, blah, blah, blah. But you're not, you're still the same. You're still in that same cycle. And unless you can really attend to your wounding and, and that part of you that you really want to let go, you, you just, you're going to stay stuck clinging to it in whatever expression of that, that it like manifests it. Stuff it down with Brown. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Stuff it down with Brown. Yeah, that's no, what we exactly. used to do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really interesting. That's kind of what I was saying is that like, I knew how much time it was going to take for me to get sober was going to be too mm-hmm. much time for me to become the person I wanted to be that I couldn't be when I was drunk. So I might as well stay drunk because I'm, I'm just going to lose time anyways. And then, <laughs> and then eventually I had to get sober just because that was how the prophecy was written. And, and like, you know, like, and that was the the issue that that's what I'm always kind of struggling with is now I'm, I never had a chance to, to not only just grieve my drunk self who I don't quite remember, right? Because of the phases of being up and down and like the phases of just like going into one situation and just trying to survive like one scenario and just trying to survive. Even if that scenario is fun, like, hanging out and getting fucking rip roaring drunk on in your carport with all the comedians after limerick like super fun also a battle of survival when it comes to wits because we're all just trying to like shoot the shit and 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 like have like goof off and like you know try to like keep going and it's like if i got sober i wouldn't be able to hang out with y'all right so what sacrifice am i making here can i do that as well as like and and be you know and be sober and it seemed like oh no i would have to like take a step back and then like reintroduce myself and like i don't that's like so much and so it's just like you have to grieve there's no time to even process those changes right because it's just one scenario of survival after another until you kind of have this or you, I mean me, until I woke up with just just this long list of half-formed thoughts and like half-made stories that end with being like, yeah, we had a good time. The end. You know, it was like, there's no, there's no like punchline. There's no learning moments. There's no like, you know, there's nothing like that. There's not even like crazy, like, the hangover kind of moments where we're hanging out with like Mike Tyson and, you know, like trying to fight a tiger. I don't remember how that movie went. Yeah. We're mostly just throwing up off my porch. Yeah. And people are like, how was your night? And they're like, Oh yeah, it was just a Tuesday. And, (laughs) (laughs) and it was like, yeah. And so it's, so now I look back and I work with a lot of people who are in their twenties and I see how they're going about it and how they're navigating it. And I'm like, whoa, 
should have done that. <laughs> should have been like, there's, you know, even if I was like the nervous one, which I am now, like in a social situation, it would have been much better to be the nervous one than like the one that was like making everyone else nervous <laughs> because I was drinking too much. Right. Or because I was like trying right, yeah. to be the funny one, or I was like the only one that was like, trying to make it like a party when everyone was like, this is more of like a dinner party, you know? And, um, and there's just like a lot of like grief in that. And then there's also just some things that aren't available to older people where like there are, there are just some like, um, forgivenesses society wise that aren't allowed when you're at a certain age, um, you can't like, it's, you know, you can be like an intern in your thirties or whatever, like, or later, but you're not going to like, when I graduated from the creative circus and I went to school, I remember when I went to, when I finally got hired at my new job, no one really wanted to show me how to do copywriting because I was, well, Hey, I was like, obviously hung over all the time, but I wasn't very like, um, I wasn't like this spunky, like young 20 something year old who's like trying to get out there. And so I even see that, like, especially in advertising, because it's so youth obsessed that where I'm like having to like prove that, yeah, I'm spunky. I'm like, don't mind my, mm-hmm. my crow's feet. I'm trying to make up for the things that I lost. Right. And it's like, yeah. And it's just kind of a weird, it's like weird. It's like this balance of, of, of being like, oh yeah, I didn't get to do that. And then also, oh, but I did something else that I'm not super proud of. That's, that's yeah. it. That's, that's yeah. the thing. That's the feeling. Like I, looking back and cause I, I don't know if you have this, but like I'll have, I'll, I'll be talking about, you know, kind of lamenting about being, getting my associate's degree now. And just kind of going, yeah, I was like drinking in high school, doing stand up. Like I, I just, it, a lot of things got pushed back or I just wasn't going to do them and blah, yada, yada, story, story. And then someone will go, well, you did other things. <laughs> and you like, at first you go, yeah, I did. But well, but what, I mean, what was it worth though? Like I, yeah, from stand up, you understand communication. You can you can talk to people, but it's not like that's the only place you can figure that out. Um, And it's, it's this weird place where you go, I did have an incredible experience that is somewhat unique. However, it would be really doing me a lot of, it would be doing me a service right now. Had I kind of just dip my toes into that incredible experience and, stayed a little bit more focused on what yeah. was going to be like good for the long run. Yeah. Like even in that experience, I was only half experiencing it because I was too busy drinking. Right. Yeah. You weren't even like, dude, that's, that's, we weren't even fully engaged with the thing that we were throwing ourselves yeah. in. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like I hear stories where people are like, Oh, you know, I, did a lot of traveling in my twenties and it was so fun. I got to, I went from hostel to hostel in Europe 
And then I'm like, yeah, you know, I did stand up in my, you know, I mean, I started stand up even later than you did in my late twenties. And so I, right. um, you know, like I, I tell them that, and then I'm like trying to think back of like all my experiences. And I'm like, yeah, I had a great time eating like leftover fries in in that place. What was that place we went to outside of New Orleans where they were like, you're going to lose service when you go down the dirt road, but you know, you're there when you see the giant cow in the parking lot. It's like, yeah, I guess I got, I got experiences. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not staying at a hostel in Italy, but you know, it's something. Right. Yeah. I, I can, I remember I was on, you know, I traveled in my early twenties where I, I, I was in uh, the middle of Indiana railing at a van, uh, because I was afraid that I couldn't go to sleep. And, is that the same? Is that the same as gallivanting over? Yeah, Europe? did I meet? Maybe, yeah, did I, don't I meet know. the love of my life? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, met, I met a lot of women who um, were not in a good place, who were trying to get with me, also not in a good place. Um, it's not yeah, the same. Being someone's con- being consistently being other people's wake up calls is not, you know. Oh, how is not the story that you want to tell when you reach my age, right? And so there's a lot of grief that comes from that. And it's like, I don't know, sometimes it really bogs me down. It really bothers me because I have a hard time relating with people um, who mm-hmm. aren't, who like have, I don't want to say normal, whatever, like development, but like I can't talk to people about like most stuff because I don't know. And then I'm also like not in that area of my life where I can be like, what is that? Cause it's sort of expected already for me to know. And then it's like for have to have yeah. someone to show me would mean that they would have to love me in a way that no one loves me. And so, you know, like for them to put in that time and then it's like, okay, well, okay, here's my life now. I have this like span that I'm looking at. I'm looking at like this, this piece of cake that's been like half like dropped. And then there's, but the other half is still good. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I get in all the traveling that I want to do and have a baby and a family and like a good career and start a podcast and also be like artistically satisfied and like reach John Mulaney's level of fame while sober. And it's just like, all right, well, I got to start, I got to get to work. And it was like what you were saying earlier. I was like, I don't have time to hang out with people who are wasting my time. But then you don't know that until much later. And then you're like, fuck, I fell for it again. And then it starts all over again. And it's just like a whole big headache. And then you have to like forgive those people, which just takes more time. And then while you're doing that, you're only taking time away from people who wouldn't have done that to you in the first place, but they're also like long gone. Like that was, that's also something that comes up is you pop up and you're like, Oh shit, I need to apologize to somebody. That's something that I did 10 years ago. And then you're just like, "Hmm, they're gone. (laughs) Like long gone. And the stuff that they taught me is just now being processed and I can't even, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah yeah it took it took me a decade but it's integrated now and um i i'm sorry that it took me so long the 
the thing that um and you want to like reach out dude, and you're like this is a, this is not even good for them they don't even want to see me <laughs> and then, right well that and I, I think isn't that step eight where you go like okay i should reach out but this might be it might not be worth <laughs> reaching out because they it might upset them more, yeah um for me to just show back up in their life um i you what you what what you made me think about though is what has helped with recovery in recovery is having like i want three things like somewhere around three or four things these are these are the things that i can do these are the things that i can accomplish these are the things that are important that are that have inherent purpose blah blah other than that i like i have to really sift through the weeds of like i have you know there's a lot of desires and stuff but there's only really like three concrete things that matter um and so being able to it really like being able to step away from something like stand-up is is opening a lot of doors where you can you can fine-tune your focus and you can really do well doing a few things instead of just kind of spreading yourself really thin, trying to accomplish like a lifetime of work in five years, yes. you know, which is, that's the an addict mind, right? Like I have to accomplish everything right now, yeah. you know, and it's hard to keep that reined in. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> it's hard and it's bullshit. It's it time. Yeah. Well, what, what, time what is, sucks. What is, time is like the worst. Yeah. And that's like, what alcoholism is it's a time suck it fucking kills all of your it kills yeah. all of your time and it's just like being in jail i always bring it up in in prison or <laughs> i always bring it up in therapy prison therapy in prison therapy i always bring it up in therapy that i feel like the count of monte cristo where like i was like mentally trying to do all of these things to be prepared for the moment of when i got sober except when i got sober no one i didn't the old man that helped me didn't die and then give me like the, this mysterious fortune so that I can like reap my revenge and said, I, I just got out and I was like, well, shit, now I know how to sword fight, but <laughs> I'm also like in my thirties and anyone who's in their early twenties can out sword fight me just because of the, the health. And like, you know what I mean? And it's just like, well, why'd I do that? Yeah. And it was, you know, yeah. and I, I spend, so much time like especially artistically being like man i wish i had spent more of an effort in following my dreams and then on top of that that alone is also part of wasting time because it's like you get or i got so stuck in this kind of shoulda coulda woulda mindset while i was drinking that now it's like yeah. so hard for me i have to like actively be like oh no i have to do this and i have to like actively instill these um habits that aren't even habits they're like literally me intentionally choosing to do the opposite of what i want to do which Normally, I just want to sit around and, and do nothing and like dick around, which apparently isn't what right. most people do. Uh, <laughs> most people have like an intention when they do things. And I've spent so much time just like 
watching TV and drinking or like going to the bar and just like waiting for things to happen to me that I had to like relearn how to make things happen for me. And the amount of time it takes to, to establish a foundation and get those things going in your adult life is way longer than it was when you do it, you know, when those times are ripe. And so it's kind of like, oh man, I got to go make friends in my thirties. That's not going to happen. I got to make like good friends who aren't busy all the time. That, how do you even do that? Oh, you go to a bar. Can't do that. Oh, you go to like, you know, you go to jujitsu every day at 6am and hopes that you'll make a friend. Turns out, that's the only way. <laughs> and, and even then you only get to hang out with them at 6am. And it's like, you know, right. And but the, what you're describing, though, is when you're in those, when you're living with active addiction, to get out of that is a huge energetic shift. So I'm like, what you made me think of was just being really young doing stand-up and then like you're standing outside of a show smoking a cigarette now you're in someone's car now you're at another show now you're standing outside smoking a cigarette now you're going to a different open mic and you're you're drinking throughout this and you don't know exactly where your car is now or like even how to get back and and you're you're standing and you're just like there's this whirlwind that's happening and you're just caught up in it and it's very easy to be caught up in it because it feels like you're doing something it feel like grinding it out at open mics feels like you're doing something. Um, not to say that you are, but it's just when you step out of that mode of being, it's such a shock to the, your system because now there's nothing going on and that feels wrong. It's like, that's like, that's how I, I, I get into, you know, bad relationships yeah. where, there's a there's a need to walk on eggshells. There's a need for that intensity, and just because I I can't function unless like there's something going on that's that's I mean detrimental to like my mental health. I mean ultimately, like you need that chaos because you're just you're patterned to it. But finding a way to move out of that um, those normative like thought cycles is a part of the grieving process. Cause you, you do have to like going back to what we said before, like it's scary to go sober cause it's scary yeah. to change and you intuitively, you know, you have to change, but to change is to grieve. You have to allow yourself to do that. And there's no, there's no timeline to that. That's the unfortunate, like for better or worse, there's no mark on the calendar that you can wait for and go, all right, I'm yeah. better now. It's, it's grief is, I mean, you live with it. Oh, it's a constant reminder. Yeah. It's, it's a constant reminder. You never get out of the grief. You just live with it differently because when you're drinking and maybe you, maybe we push back against this, but in drinking, you're still grieving. You're still grieving the person that you could, could have, should have, would have been, but you have a high life in your hand. Oh yeah. No, I'm not pushing back on that at all. The whole reason you're drinking is right. because you're t- well, the whole reason I was drinking is because I was too scared to be the person that I wanted to be. And so, yeah, That's and it. when I got out of it, I was like, well, fuck, I shouldn't have been so fucking scared. And then they were like, well, it's a disease. And I'm like, oh, God, thank God. 
And <laughs> it's not my fault. And, uh, you know, but it right. is, but it's like, and there's, but then there's the whole recovery process. And then you're still like, oh, well, okay. It's still going to be that person I could have been. And then when you get, uh, then I finally got to the person that I could have been, but then I'm also 37 and you're like, well, now I'm like an old person that I could have been. And I never got to be like the young person that I could have been. And that's the, like the person in their twenties, I'm not saying 37 is young or old, but I, what I'm saying is that like, like I don't have like the energy to like get up on stage and like hit those mics with that intention. Like I would totally do now if I fucking wanted to, but I also don't really want to hang out with a bunch of 20 something year olds trying to do that again. I mean, Ian Aber did and they are doing great you know but like maybe that's what i need to do is to get through that but it's like there's just like a lot of unlearning which is part of that grieving process Mm -hmm. right it's like that's where it hits you all the time it's like i'll be talking to someone who's like who is much younger than me and they'll have this like system set up and i'm like well fuck why didn't i think of that (laughs) and they're like oh yeah i'm you know in this with this system i'll have everything that i want like I was talking to somebody about recently about their queerness and they told me that they were happy that they were able to like come out as queer because they had such a long journey and figuring it all out before they're 30, before they hit 30. And I was like, cool. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Good. Thanks good for, for saying you. that directly to my face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> it's, but, and, and the, the thing, <laughs> The, the thing that it just, like, as the prophecy was foretold in the book of Buffkin, like, Terrible just, book. It's, 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 it's a very short yeah. book, but a lot it's, of pictures. it's, the, 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 lot of pictures, yeah, a lot of, a lot of blurry pictures. <laughs> a lot of doodles um, on the margins of the, that book. <laughs> the thing that I just, I, I feel like maybe was just a shift of perspective is this idea that you are who you are now and like i mean just lean into the being the prophet that yeah, you yeah, are yeah yeah but still that's you know, not grieving like that's still like part of grieving isn't it like you have to accept that's the end of elizabeth kubler ross's you know thing is that her name <laughs> don't shake her head <laughs> <laughs> Is, is you got it you have to have acceptance right but it's like yes like so lean in so accept who but you it keeps are popping up where, where's the headband that i know your hair wants to be <laughs> in like just just so like just accept what has happened oh my gosh i this is like too aggressive but the the idea we all this is so hard for me to do so I'll just point. I'll, I'll direct this toward myself. I don't want to. I don't want to do this to you. But <laughs> yeah, this is a therapy podcast where you are my therapist. Okay. Well, even if it was like, especially because it's like, I would be a terrible therapist if I was calling you out like this. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, for me, it's hard. Yeah. See, this is good. This is good. This is how you should be always. You look like a tennis, not a pro. You have to tell but, them that I put on the um, headband because they can't see it. Yeah, you, thank you are in this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I accept. Um, this. Anyway, so, 
So the the um, the thing that I can't like, it's hard for me to say sit with where who I've been and where I've been and looking back and going, man, I should have been a better, I should have been different somehow. But then kind of accepting like, and this is what recovery is, but just accepting like, okay, I was set up to be a certain way. And the fact that I'm here now is nothing short of a miracle. Like I should be still living how I was living, but for some reason something clicked and I got out of that. And now we're starting at square one. It does feel like I'm socially inept. It It's more than, than it's, it's very apparent that fiscally I am uh, downwind. Um, but just, but to move on from there and just accepting like, holy crap, what an experience, even addiction can teach us a lot. Um, and just being able to like walk with that, like addiction is not something that everybody gets out of and it's not something that everybody experiences. So it's this weird unique feeling of knowing what it's like and then also getting out of it yeah and having those two things be true about yourself is i mean it doesn't make the years lost go away but it does make the years ahead a little bit (sighs) you can you 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 walk you approach them differently and you you approach them in a way that you never could if you didn't have those two experiences of active addiction and recovery. Yeah, I mean that's where the Count of Monte Cristo kind of thing comes in, where it's like I do find myself with like a certain set of skills that I've I've been able to utilize uh, for you know to be successful in my own way, but at the same time I learn mm-hmm. those skills in the dungeons of whatever prison island that i can't think of right now it would have been so literary if i just popped out with that shit but honestly i watched the movie recently and that's why i know was he on the island that napoleon was exiled no but he went to that island that's why he got he went that's why he got the the prison count of monte cristoed i don't want to push my curls down so that's why i took my headband off because i'm I'm trying not to (laughs) yeah you don't want to ruin what you got yeah you will yeah. push the curls on my crown head down <laughs> if I do that. And then I'll have to be like, I should have not done that again and live with that regret. No, live yeah, live with the, your locks looking like this. <laughs> I think the thing about it is there is a lot of shame. And this is one reason, well, I don't want to be an anti-AA <laughs> podcast, but it it seems to be one of the things that I found about like, you know, even when we started this podcast, we were like, let's not get too caught up in being like, just tell a bunch of traumatic stories, um, right. which is what everyone wants to hear. That's why anyone who has listened to it to the 55 minute mark right now, or less if I change it, uh, is, is waiting is to hear some horrific story where we like, you know, ended up doing something terrible uh you know for instance like this one time no i 
what I'm saying is it's like, there's a lot of shame that comes from addiction and a lot of like internal shame that makes it hard to operate outside in the world because I, there's at least for me, this assumption that no one else is going through the shame that I'm carrying where it's like, Oh, you know, I used to be a piece of shit. Like sometimes I tell people I'm a recovering asshole and in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, I was, you know, very manipulative, but also now I work in advertising and like, I have to be a little manipulative. Uh, that's part of the game. And so like there, that's where I'm using my Count of Monte Cristo skills for good. Right. But it's like, it doesn't feel like a good thing when I used to have these dreams of, I got like, you know what? I'm going to tell you this because we're in this whole, we're, we're having a whole theme where I just, I just divulge my deepest, darkest secrets to you on the podcast. But like I bought a unicycle when I was drunk in 2014 and I bought it because I've always had this secret desire to do some, don't shake your head. <laughs> Like, I think, I think like acrobatics and like, and like, like circus stuff and like miming and that kind of shit. I always thought that kind of like body work was super cool. And I've always wanted to do it, but I couldn't talk about it because no one wants to talk about that stuff. And I was walking by Outback Bikes in Little Five Points and they had a unicycle in the window and I had been drinking at Java Lords down the street and I just happened to have a credit card on me and I bought a unicycle for like 200 and something bucks and I have had it for over a, for less than a decade. Let's say over a decade because it sounds cooler, but I bought it in 2014. And uh, don't do the math. And they... And I've ridden it zero times. That's not true. I've ridden it around um, my apartment. Um, yeah, I've, I was going to say. You I've fallen have... a lot. The thing, I've tried yeah. to ride it outside so that I don't fall. The thing about trying to ride a unicycle outside is kind of like when you first start getting sober is uh, right when you get on the unicycle, everyone comes up to you and like, is that a unicycle? And then they're like, can you juggle? <laughs> ride the unicycle and you're like i'm just learning i can you hold my hand and they're like whoa a unicycle and you're like i'm really just trying to figure this out and i'm trying not to fall and they're like that's so cool I'm, i wish i could do that but i just couldn't i don't have the balance I'm like well i don't either but i'm still trying to do it and then every time i left yeah. with it every time i left the fucking house with that unicycle immediately right when i left the door is that a unicycle so now it's been a decade of me trying to, I've moved seven, eight, 10 times. I have no idea how many times I've had people try to buy it off of me. I won't let it go because it's my unicycle. But now I got really upset because there's this like circus performer that I started following called tiny girl, big show. Yeah. Tiny girl, big show. She's like 23 or some shit. And she rides a unicycle and uh, like shoots a bow and arrow with her feet. And I was like, man, could have been me. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been me if I was brave enough to get on that unicycle. I could be working at the Ren Fair instead of working at this agency. And I could have been shooting arrows with my feet 
instead of like writing radio ads. And I'm sure that they're like, wish I was writing radio ads instead of doing this. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, and then I start looking like, oh, how much time is it going to take for me to learn how to, to even, if I wanted to join the circus, worst, best case scenario, I get to ride the unicycle, maybe learn how to juggle, do some crowd work. I'm never going to be on the front. I'm never going to be on stage shooting arrows with my feet. Not at my age, not with my obligations. And that breaks my heart. And sometimes like, that's where I'm like, that's like the grief that I'm constantly running into is I'll run into something and been like, oh man, that was a dream I had for 10 minutes and I never followed through on it because I got drunk (laughs) instead. And it's like, it's like every fucking time. Yeah. It's like, uh, and even like, even my career was me being like, okay, well I have this dream and I can handle it. Like I even got into standup because I was like, well, at least I can keep drinking. Like (laughs) it was all kind of like, you know, pushing all of these dreams, but then like, oh, but I got drunk instead every time. Well, it, 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 it's this like, it's almost like a need to grieve you not being, not believing in every yourself. winter no, or not, every, sorry, not. every summer when, when, when Chicago yeah. hits summer, it is like crazy because the snow melts and people just go crazy. And every summer I'm like, mm-hmm. this is the summer I learned how to ride that unicycle. And I never do it. <laughs> I didn't do it this summer. I'm not going to do it next summer. I bet. Unless someone hears this podcast and wants to show me how to ride. I just need someone to hold my fucking hand and not make fun of me while I ride the unicycle. That's why it's just like recovery is you need support. You need support of people who care and who can help you without asking you a bunch of questions. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I'm just like, you want to go get it? It's right over there. (laughs) Show it to me. Show it to me. Show it to the the people that are, this is an audio medium, but this is fine. Um, I was saying that Jody needs to grieve. Oh, now he's back. That is a unicycle. I feel like you told me about that when you bought it um, back in 2014. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've also never seen you. I would have hold, held your hand. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you would have now. Uh, you, you wouldn't would, have back then, but now you will. You couldn't hold my hand back then because you had one hand on your drink and the other one was smoking a cigarette. And I, that's okay. That's that's fair. fair. You could have leaned on my shoulder at least, as long as I could like smoked in the house or something. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) um, I was saying though, what it sounds like. Okay, there's like two two things that are coming to my mind, which is like grieving your lack of belief in yourself. Um, and then, you know, doing whatever you will with that information now, like, I mean, because it still sounds like you are dealing with this problem of like, I mean, I don't know. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Are you um, not? Yeah. Now you don't have a unicycle story. you don't have what's in your you have to have something in like i mean 
I mean, it's not, I, every day for me, what I'm saying is that I accept it. I have to come to this acceptance or through straight denial. Sometimes I have to come to this, like this, like face the music moment. And it, but it just happens almost every day where I'm like reminded of this lost time. And then I have to grieve that a little bit and then like move, move on. That's, that's why I was, I wanted to talk about boxing last week. Cause I remember when I was, I, I was like 23 or 24 and I was going to the gym. I did all, I, I'll, I'll skip through this because I, to, I talked about it la, uh, in the last episode, but I was going to the gym every day. And then like to the point where trainers were coming up to me and asking like, do you want to like do this? Do you want to fight for like, do you want to like do like an amateur combat or whatever? And I remember like that was, that was so cool. I like, I, I, I stopped caring about stand up, and I thought that this is the coolest thing. This is what I, I thought that I wanted to do stand up. I want to do this. <clears throat> and I was so afraid of, cause it was like sunken cost fallacy almost. Like I, I've, I've invested so much time in stand up by this point. All my friends are doing it. I still love drinking, blah, blah, blah. I, uh, maybe I can like, keep doing this but like keep my my feet in both worlds but eventually like you just like get so spread far far away from your center that neither you're not in either camp you're not doing stand-up i wasn't boxing and then eventually i was just drinking um which is why now i'm so on it or I'm, I beat myself up about this more so than just being aware of it, where if I'm not totally focused in one world and I'm like trying to like divide my time um, to the detriment of being good at anything, then I, I have to give up something. I like, I have to like tap out and say, I can't, I can't do yeah. this. I should I need to like devote myself to just this and let this go. Cause I'll just end up doing the same thing where you, you know, you end up doing ne- neither. Um, yeah, so yes, I can, I can relate to the, the unicycle cause there's a, there was a lot of, <sighs> should I get my boxing gloves out there's, too? There's, there's cause so I got my time. boxing gloves. Yeah, bring them out. <laughs> <laughs> I got all my toys yeah. that I never, I never followed through on. Um, yeah. I mean, it, the, the focus yeah. is the thing. I mean, that's why, I reached a point where I was like, okay, well, I know that I can write. So I'm just going to focus on that. And then I'll focus on getting yeah. sober. And then even then I didn't even focus on writing so much as I just like relied on, uh, I don't want to say raw talent, but maybe like a, like a, like a godlike kind of talent. Like I, like maybe like some sort of, I don't want to say godlike, something bigger than that some sort of talent that's like a little bit more insurmountable than I'm just relying on like my, my huge giant talent. No, something bigger than that. Something <laughs> now you get what I'm doing. Okay. Thanks for finally laughing. Uh, <laughs> I know it wasn't that funny. Like, you know, like I was relying on like my own skills of being slightly witty and being drunk kind of helped me 
do that better, but I wasn't following through on it. I wasn't, you know, trying to stay sober enough to like really push my work. And then I found that like some of the other things that I like to do are, it was just me trying to find more time not to write. Like drinking was just another reason not to write. Right. Cause I didn't want to do it. Cause that meant that I had to face my own shit and I didn't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And so, you know, I ended up doing comedy because I wanted to write, but I didn't want to talk about my feelings. So I ended up just making jokes about like, you know, poo-poo and, and how, how pooping is my favorite thing in the world. Like that was one of my jokes. Right. And like about my DUI and, and stuff like that. Like, I never really talked about my emotions, so I never really wrote. I mean, you know that. We never really wrote anything. We would like be like, is that a joke? And then we would like go do a shot. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, and then eventually I got into advertising because like, well, now I don't have to write about my feelings at all. If anything, I get to write about, you know, how right now you can get five quarts of ST STP oil for only $27.99. Like, I don't need to write about like any sort of like emotional depth. And then now I'm, I'm reached this point where I'm like, man, I wonder if I had actually like focused on that instead of just like relying on the talent, right? Like, I wonder what, yeah. what would happen uh, here I, along like where I'm at now. And it, that's not like mm -hmm. to say that I'm not going to do it. Like there's that, um, sorry, I don't mean to like, um, let you interrupt me, but shut the fuck up. I, uh, what the whole thing is like, one thing that always kind of brings me back on track is there's this Chinese proverb that I read in a comic book. And um, it says the best time, it was about Green Arrow. And Green Arrow deals a lot with lost time too. And about his family and time that he lost while, because he didn't even get to raise his son, whose name is Hawk. Connor Hawk. And uh, so he, <laughs> don't stop, stop laughing. Um, but it says that it, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. And the second best time is now. And Connor really took that to heart when Green Arrow said that to him. And uh, I need, <laughs> and it's just like, I keep kind of bringing that back where it's like, all right, well, I didn't do these things because I was too busy struggling with my own shit, probably because of my trauma and I have a disease, but now I can do those things. But then that's when you have the grief because you're like, oh fuck, now I got to go learn something and that's hard. And it's harder now that I'm older because I'm dumb and I'm only getting dumber and I have all these bad, dumb habits that I learned while I was drinking. So now I got to not only unlearn those things and also learn how to learn while I'm also dumb because I'm old. It's like, it's like a lot already on the plate, but then that's when you just like, uh, but you just got to do it. I mean, if you, if I was able to drink, then I'm able to get up. If I was able to get up and go to a bar and drink, then I'm able to get up and do this podcast. I'm able to get up and go to jujitsu and I'm able to like sit down and make a plan and like study and like think about my life with intention. And that's the hardest thing for me is, is trying to do things intentionally. Cause when I was drinking, I was just floating. 
you know, from one bar, like you were saying, you're in that whirlwind and it feels like you're doing something, but now you actually have to do something and that shit sucks. <laughs> I hate doing stuff. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, a, a rootlessness, a, root, um, a rootlessness, rootlessness, root, rootlessness, rootlessness. <laughs> it's a rootlessness. Okay. Rootlessness. Yeah. Where you're, you're just floating. You're, you're, you're going here and there and there. And like someone could say something and you go, Oh, um, now I'm going yeah. over here. And someone could say something else. And Oh, now I'm going you're over here. More than and you're rooting is what you mean. You're, you're, you're tooting a lot. lot. You're, you're not rooting so much. They need to be rooting more than tooting. <laughs> um, That's why it comes first. It's not tooting and rooting. It's rooting and tooting. <laughs> it's rooting and tooting, yeah. And so, the like, in in recovery, and this is taken, I mean, you know, I'm so early on in sobriety anyway. I'm really early on in recovery because it just feels like I'm starting over every day. But um, the the becoming rooted in your life which goes back which it, it the, the three or four things that we can focus on that allows for us to when we like find a place and just center ourselves and go all right there's a lot of things that I could do a lot of those things are a distraction and a waste of time what are the three things that are going to help me grow and becoming centered in that so that your foundation gets stronger and stronger. Like it's like a meditative practice. Like that's a way to get rooted. Um, loving where you are, like finding ways to become a part of your community and, and like, you know, recovery is all about support, but in, in, in general, like finding ways to be in your body, in the place that you exist um, so that you can nourish where you live but also be nourished by it and grow um you know grow grow where grow where you are um which is hard to it's hard to allow yourself to do because there's always something there's always some the grass is always greener but that's not true the grass is always brown it's brown no matter where you are it's it's brown where i am brown where you are and it's brown in the best place you could think of. There's always going to be an issue. There's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be an escape that you would want to, you know, have a hatch for. But finding ways to stick with it. It's like a relationship. Like being with somebody is great. There's billions of people out there that you could be with. But this one person, I'm going to commit to them and we're going to grow stronger together. Not in any kind of like codependent way, but in we're we're going to become stronger in pillars life is going to hit us and we're going to be we're going to be strong for ourselves and each other and we can weather the storm um finding a finding ways for your community to be like that but finding ways for yourself to be like that for yourself and for others yeah you know i i when i was first really struggling with this um a few years ago um, cause it took, it took, a, it took some time for my recovery to like really kick in. Um, cause there is like the horror of getting sober and then there's the horror of everything 
all the time that you've wasted while you were drunk. And then there's the horror of recovery and you're just like, you're like, Oh my God, the horror. And, uh, but when I was first struggling with it, I was talking to a friend of mine and you reminded me of it when you started talking about rootin and tootin and, um, and, uh, and I was, but I was thinking like the, they told me about this. I, I'm trying to remember. It's like a Buddhist um, philosophy, or maybe it was a talk or something that they they heard. But the idea was that, like, you to be happy uh, and to be like well rounded and fully developed, or or whatever. Um, they there are branches that you have to tend to, like a bonsai tree, and one of them is like community. Another one is like self-spirituality, self-realization. Um, and I think, I don't remember the other ones, but one of them was like that part of that self-realization was like dealing with the past and what you've done, who you are and where you're at in that journey of building or rebuilding, I guess. Um, and that's kind of like, if you break it down into that, that's really helped me kind of understand how to approach my life. Cause I was like, cause you have like your career you have, or, you know, you have your, your way you make your money and then you have like your artistic outlets or whatever, um, you know, whatever outlet that you have. And then you have like your community or family, you have that kind of foundation and then you have yourself. I think that's, that's what it was. And you have to tend to those, like you would a garden, you have to like, go to, you know, go out and talk to friends and try to build that community, try to be there for people. And that's the hardest part, honestly, in my recovery is trying to like build that community. And then you have to deal with your own shit, which is part of your self-realization. And you also got to do better at your job and go further on that so that you make money and you got to like keep pushing yourself and artistically or whatever that outlet is so that you have like a development there, which I've never done. It was always just like, Oh, you know, things happen to me. And then I react and then sometimes it goes good and sometimes it doesn't. And then that's where like intentionality comes in, which, you know, Buddhism is all about intentionality. Um, even when I first started doing yoga, that fucked me up. They were like, bring your intentions onto your mat. I'm like, what is my intention is mm -hmm. to do yoga. What does that even mean? Yeah. Um, but it, it, it kind of like transfers over to be about the things that you're focused on to try to rebuild it. And it grows like a plant, which means it grows slowly, which sucks. Cause when I first got sober, I was like, okay, I'm sober. I'm sober. Yeah. <laughs> hey everybody. <laughs> like, and they were like, okay, well mm -hmm. here's your like shitty patch of dirt. Like you were saying, everything's brown. I just think that like everything on our end is like brown and a little salted and like a little, it's got like a broken down car and there's like, there's like. But I did that for fun. I salted the yeah, earth for fun. Exactly. I'm, I didn't know that I was going to yeah, do this. There's like a bench, there's like a bench press in the front of it, like in the front yard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You did it for fun. And then now you're like, oh, I needed that. Yeah. Yeah, I needed I needed like all of this soil, but I messed up. I poured like surge and yeah. salt on this. Surge like, and salt. 
don't know what Surgeon Salt. But that's that's a really important thing because it's it's very like um it's it's very like Christian in the idea that like you can only be defined by community. You you're only going to become a full fully realized human being by having eyes on you and informing you, telling you who you are. Like you can look in the mirror all you want, but you're not going to, you're going to come out with some kind of idea of who you are, but you can't really tell you yourself who you are. You need others around you. You need that support system to be able to tell you like, okay, you're a little off track here or you're, you're doing fine. But our sense, we, we delude ourselves into thinking that we're better or worse than we really are. We need help from outside sources, which is why having a partner is good, having community is good. These are ways in which we are, it's a feedback loop. Um, and we are better and better defined by those relationships becoming deeper and stronger. Um, and through that, you know, like something like a vocation emerges and is like cultivated um like a like career or something else something else that you're like good at that someone could say hey i noticed that you're like good at this um here's a way to make money at it and or here's a way to just yeah. do it um that's always a big milestone and, is when someone it. notices something and you're like oh you've noticed me <laughs> you know yeah sorry it's it's, yeah. it's big no, 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 you're fine. I, I have to, I have to go pee anyway. Um, so, so I'm gonna okay. walk away. Pee break. Tom's background has a rosary, a picture of Mary Magdalene, I guess. Some floral luggage that only a grandmother would own. Something that looks like the apple from Assassin's Creed two, three. The Ezio trilogy. So I guess that has that's like it's got like a cross on it, and it's like a round thing. There's a there's a cross necklace hanging on the wall, and then from a strange distance is a framed picture of a raccoon, and that's that's Tom's background. Hey, and we're back. I thought of something while I was peeing. What? Um, grief is also done in community. Um, it's not something that you can do alone. It's, I mean, it's definitely not recommended to be done alone. And it's something that it's almost impossible to do by yourself. You need support and also with grief there is a need to help others there's there's a to be served and to serve that like you you understanding how much you can do while with grief is really important but not collapsing in on yourself is really really vital because that's where grief overtakes you and you're not able to get out of it and it becomes this, it's, it's just a loop of self-loathing and, and 
I mean, self, it's, it's like, it's not self-idealization, but it's just self, it's, it's egotistical thinking and self-perpetuating thought. But if you're with grief in community, then there's this way of seeing other people, even through the lens of grief. And they, just by being present, are able to help you walk little by little. Because it feels like in sobriety, especially like when I first got sober, it was like there's a lot of stuff I was ignoring and I wasn't really able to tune in and see how much I was crawling and how much help I really, really needed until I was on my hands and knees just going like, just going, please, something, anything, help me. Um, but without community, like it's really, really easy to get lost. In oh, grief. yeah. And it's hard. Hard to, it's hard to get oh, out yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a strong community here in Chicago. And so when I, especially when I first got sober, it was, it was hard. And I was with people who had no idea, like the people that I did know, I really had no idea what I was going through. And I couldn't really tell them because I also had no idea. And so it was just a lot of, really cringy Facebook posts and a lot of just feelings everywhere. When I first started doing jujitsu, I felt like every time I rolled with someone, I'd be like, Oh yeah, this is great for my recovery. And you know, I've been really feeling all these feelings. And when I first started doing yoga and I like started talking to people, which means, I mean, I must've been like three years in recovery by then, but I hadn't been talking to anyone you know, really like about it, like openly, except for my therapist who gets paid to listen to me. Uh, so it doesn't count. Um, she would hate that I said that. And she listens to this podcast. So I'm probably <laughs> going to hear that. Uh, but, but like when I started, you know, going and doing like a lot of like, you know, somatic stuff started coming up in therapy and I would just like was itching to tell people like, it's like okay you don't know me but i'm three years sober and then i all of this stuff happened and then i now and then when i did my forward fold i had this huge emotional experience and i just wanted to tell you and they're like cool i'm gonna uh, okay uh <laughs> yeah. you're freaking yeah. me out uh you know and it's like you definitely need that like <laughs> i was definitely missing that like uh mirror of myself like something to show me how mm. to normalize and show me how to like um, not just like show me how to be or show me how to live, which I think is a Jason Isbell song, um, but it, about recovery, but like just to give me like a mirror of where I stand socially a little bit. And I've been getting that a lot lately, which has been making me have to come up with, come to terms again and again and again with this grief. And a lot of it has to do with, um, because I've been just hanging out because I work with a lot of people who are considerably younger than me. And I've been interacting with a lot of other people and I'm starting to get into like a situation where I have like, like leadership roles, either like assigned or unassigned. And I'm speaking with people who don't have as much experience as I do in different things, but I'm not used to speaking to people as if I have experience. And so I have to like reconfigure how they're seeing me because they're actually looking at me for advice. Like you were saying, like 
helping other people to serve and be served. So I'm at this point where I'm serving, but as I'm serving, I'm like, this is weird. What is this? You know, like I feel there's a part of me that's like, what is this? What am I doing? I'm enjoying it. And it seems like I'm helping. And then there's a part of me that was like, and where the fuck was I when I needed my own help? And then there's like that resentment that comes with the grief. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so this guy's 26 and he gets to fest- he gets to use all of the knowledge that I had to get at 37 and, and get it 10 years before I got it. This piece of shit. What the fuck? Why didn't I get that? And then there's a part that's like, of course, here you are, my child. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it's yeah. like, yeah. it's no, that's, this, the that's, duality that's, that's it's it. so hard to, it's so hard to struggle with. And I come home and I'm like still inside feeling that lonely alcoholic who is scared of like my own potential. And then I also feel this like, oh, this is the potential. I'm doing the thing that I want to do and thought was taken from me, but I'm doing it, but it feels different because I'm not like, because of so many different factors. And there's the, that's the grief is just like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm here right. and I need to remind myself that I'm here. And I've already, I've spent so much of my time saying I'm not here or this will happen and that will happen or waiting for the future or thinking about the past that I have to like rethink and relearn how to not be stuck in my grief there. And, and the other thing to keep in mind is that all of your lessons, all the things that you now have a, it's not even knowledge, right? Like the experiences that provided wisdom for you um, on top of any kind of knowledge that you picked up along the way. But the, the thing to keep in mind is that none of that stuff is yours. Like none of that stuff is like, it's, it's stuff that you have. It's stuff that you personally picked up but none of it has to, it, it shouldn't stay with you. Like this 26 year old kid who is a young upstart ad guy. I mean, the fact that you're around is it's like building, it's not intergenerational, but it's like building. It's just making things easier for people who come behind you. Like, which is what all of these kind mm-hmm. of experiences should be like the more, uh, I mean, you know, the first shall be last. All that, like the 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 verse, but like you got you. Is that a Bible verse from the only yeah. book ever published, the Bible? Yeah, well, one of one of the, <laughs> um, the uh, but the thing, right? Like you you picked up all this stuff that can now be freely given instead of other people having to like painstakingly find it by either falling into their own addictive patterns or just messing up when they don't have to, you can be there and say, Hey, I know this is hard or I know what was happening right now. This is what I know from my experiences. Maybe it'll help. And if you, I mean, you can pick this up, you can, you can leave it, but this is, this is how I can serve. Um, and I think that that's what really helps me to, to, to grieve and also just keep going, which is I, I'm in a really unique position where I can help. Yeah. Cause there's, I mean, what, what else is there really? Yeah. 
we're we're supposed to help everybody. Well, you know? I mean, that's why we started this podcast was because we were like, well, we know a lot about this stuff, and it seems like no one's right. talking about it in a way that we feel like would be helpful. I mean, I guess there are people talk. I mean, there's a shit ton of people. <laughs> yeah, but are those people willing to say how resentful they are of helping? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, Someone needs to address that. We're not heroes. We don't want yeah. to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's like the only skill I have is to help. So I, I'm going to do this begrudgingly, but I will help. There's, a, there's a, definitely a lot of that where I'm just like, God damn it. Okay, this is yeah. how you do it. Yeah, there was there was a time I, I was even thinking about this today um, when I got kind of like um, I got beat up in New York a couple times. And there was this one time where um, a guy like walked out into it was like November Coney Island. He fell off the railing on on off the pier and he walked in the sand toward the beach and he fell. And I looked at um, the person I was with and I was smoking a cigarette and I just like. I just let out a huge sigh of like, Ugh, I guess I'll go see what's happening. I guess I'll go help. And then you go out and, you know, whatever happened, happened. But like there's the <laughs> it's something that I, I wrestle with a lot where it's this begrudging like, I guess I'll help. But then you do help. It's like, I don't know that. Yeah. Holding both those things feel it yeah. feels wrong <laughs> to, to, to do that. But. I don't know. It's something to, to work yeah, on. Yeah, that's I, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I'll I'll help someone, and I'm like, stop smiling at me. Stop. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to help. I don't stop. Stop yeah. saying that you're thankful yeah. for me being here because I'm not thankful. See, for this is why. <laughs> this is why you're a prophet because you're a cranky old man <laughs> who's helping <laughs> the younger people figure it, it out. I mean, there's also a, like I have a hard time sorting through the help. Like I, I think I told you this one time where someone at work was afraid of going on stage. And I was like, I was like, um, you know, there's someone in this audience that wants you to fail. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah. And that means that you have to do better. And she was like, no. And I was like, she's like, that actually makes it worse. And I was like, no, spite is your motivator. Spite and anger you have to do better so that that person doesn't win and she was like this isn't helping at all <laughs> and it was like right before she had to go up on stage and so i have to like sort through that shit where i'm like oh yeah, yeah yeah so uh you know just be happier or something and then i can't i can't be like yeah if you want to fall asleep on the train make sure you're wearing multiple jackets because then you look homeless and, you know like <laughs> Well, and, and that's like being able to read the room when you're on stage is similar to reading someone and going, okay, I, I, I know what kind of help you need. <laughs> kind like, of. you don't need the help that I would need in your situation. I can give you something else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's also about reading yourself when you're in the room and being like, oh, maybe I'm the problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> being able to say look i wish i could give you advice i am definitely not the guy to give you advice right now you should probably talk to somebody who's a little bit more bubbly exactly yeah someone who yeah. has a little bit more of a like a background in being happy um i can <laughs> i can help you get out of depression that i know not completely out but i can like you know i can help you mask it at least yeah <laughs> 
I can't help you lock the door on depression. I can help you close it, kind of. <laughs> or at least look at it from like like a hundred feet. Learn to live with it. I can teach you how to like not bring it around when you don't want it. You know. <laughs> and if you want to figure out, like you know, I can teach you that when's the right time to smoke weed and drink, and when's not. I know that. Yeah, and this lady is just going. I just needed someone to give me a pep talk. Yeah. I don't need whatever is happening right now. <laughs> They're like, I just wanted career advice. <laughs> well, you asked the wrong person. <laughs> and that is my first advice. Don't ask anybody for career advice. Uh, <laughs> no, no. No, don't ask me for career advice. <laughs> Especially me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially me. But yeah, grief and lost time. I guess that's the end of the episode. It's weird to end it with saying just don't ask us about anything, but it I guess that's where we're uh where we're ending it. Don't ask us for Well, that's the that. thing that that comes out of it. And I think it has to do with something I bring up a lot is like emotional frontiersmanship where I I feel like I did there was never a blueprint in what I'm experiencing now. Mm-hmm. It was like AA or no way. That was good. AA or no way. Uh and and so I had to like figure this shit out on my own. I didn't want to do go to AA. I didn't want to be sad all the time. And now what I'm dealing with is I'm doing it. People are doing it behind me, and I'm mad at them for it. Right? There had to have been some fur trapper who like saw like St. Louis and was like, "What the fuck." Like, where was this when I was bleeding out of my leg? You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how, how it feels. It's kind of like when you're in, when yeah. someone was like into a band and then that band went mainstream and you're just like, no, I was, this is like, I'm, I'm happy for them. But also that was yeah. my thing. And like, there's just a little bit of, there's a little bit of resentment. And I think that also comes with the grief. There's a little bit of like pride which I think comes with the grief. And then that's the duality of being an alcoholic. It's just like how we want to do everything, but we want to, we don't want to do anything. We also don't want to help people, but we want to help everybody because otherwise our existence yeah. is nothing. And yeah. it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's just part of being reminded of the grief that we have to survive every day. The end. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have nothing to add on that. <laughs> All right, that was uh, functioning. I will see everyone in two weeks, and um, hopefully you enjoy the episode. If not, then you could go listen to a thousand other sober podcasts that have awkward comedians trying to work out their feelings. So talk to you guys later. Don't, don't, please listen to us. <laughs> listen to us don't go to other podcasts bye